everyone. This is Audrey, your host for Why We Do the Work. And this is a podcast focusing on cancer, industrial pollution, and how it can impact your lives. We talk quite a bit about childhood cancer as well. And this particular episode is pretty cancer heavy. And if that triggers you, please take care of yourself. From the jump, I want to give a huge shout out to Beyond Toxics for sponsoring this podcast. I couldn't do this without you. And Crystal, my podcast partner who makes all the magic happen on the show. You can also find out about all the awesome work that our team is doing at beyondtoxics.org. Also, if you ever have any questions for me or just want to reach out and say, hey, um, and that you enjoy the show, I can be found at aab at beyondtoxics.org. And I'd be super jazzed to hear from you all. So today, I have my best friend on the show. Last season, she was here for the first three episodes that started while we do the work. And I'm so happy that she's here today to say, hey, hey, <laughs> hey. hey, Lori. Hey, Lori. I'm so glad that you're back to hang out with me. I have you back. Last season, you and me talked about the devastating impacts cancer can have not only on the person that's sick, but the family as well. Um, we talked about kids a lot, of course, but we also delved into how we as mothers felt and how we handled the madness that is cancer. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to touch on some residual, some sadness and anxiety, friends or lack thereof, family, etc. So I wanted to tell you this past Wednesday, not this one that just passed, but the Wednesday before that was Zion's two years of cancer free. Wow, Can you believe that? That's amazing. The It came by so fast, you know, like it's like all of a sudden we had these sick kids and then I'm getting a text from Zion saying, oh, it's my two year cancer free. And I felt guilty because I, I mean, I have it on my notes in my, in my phone, mm -hmm. but I wasn't thinking about it. And that's such a that's such a great thing to hear from your kid too because it's it's showing that she is also aware of the fact that you know this is the two year mark she's made it another two years without cancer and that's fantastic it's fantastic it's scary you know because there's always that looming in the background all these things that they told us when we were they were, our kids started first going through treatment mm -hmm. they're gonna have this and it could come back and it could later be breast cancer it could later be prostate cancer because of the radiation and all these things that you know it can be we try to not think about those things right. and we try to think about the good that has happened so um over the course of time Things have gotten easier for Zion mentally, emotionally, physically, socially. Um, it took about a year of her living up here with us mm -hmm. for her to actually really engage with kids and want to go out. She still gets like anxiety, but she goes out. Well, and I'm seeing that she is expressing herself more than she ever has in her life. Mm -hmm. I've never seen her with so much self-expression and so much creativity she's always been really kind of reserved or maybe just didn't feel 100% comfortable like talking about herself but I'm so happy to see that she is being able to grow beyond cancer and grow into a really really beautiful young woman yeah she's doing awesome I mean both of our kids are about to graduate from high school and that's that's 
crazy to me. I mean, she's talking to me about college and do I want to go to OSU or do I want to go to U of O? Do I want to go to UW? Do I want to be uh, studying aerospace? Do I want to study physics first? You know, all these things. And I'm like, oh my God, weren't you just 12? Like, how are you already 18 talking to me about college? She has so much, she has so much ahead of her. She has a lot of potential and I'm so glad that she has all of those opportunities available to her and that her health did not hold her back. And she's, you know, she's able to still have all of those opportunities available to her. Yeah. It could have gone a completely different way. And unfortunately, that is something that we're having to deal with with Simon right now. Simon is having a hard time getting back. Why don't, let's right. talk so, a little bit about Simon. Like, what's going so on? If you think about it, like... Zion was worse off. It was really um, difficult for her uh, and for you guys and for the doctors, for everybody to, you know, continually not defeat cancer for as long as we did. And Mm -hmm. finally, you know, she had the resolution was in the stem cell. But before that, it was just, you know, trying, trying, trying and trying again. And Simon's experience was not like that. Simon had a pretty textbook treatment plan he did we did end up adding like an extra round of chemo Mm -hmm. which is like it ends up being about two or three months for radiation happened and then radiation happened it was um it was always a uh an option we knew that we might have to do it but we did so that you know that drug it out a little bit but nothing like what zion went through no, yeah, but wait, wait, let's not, let's not um, deflect from that. I know it's nothing like what Zion went through, but the impact and the devastation on him and us as his family was not any less just because Zion had to have a stem cell transplant. So I know you're not saying it's less, but I just want to make sure that the listeners know that just because he didn't end up having to have a stem cell transplant, there is res- residual there. There's, there's, there's mental impacts that happen and it doesn't matter if you've had cancer for three months and you've done with your treatment or you have to go through three years like Zion did. So I just want to make sure that the listeners know that just because their child didn't have to go through something so intense like what Zion did, we're still here to talk about it and still here to make that relevant. Well, and it is relative to that family too. So mm-hmm. for instance, what Simon went through was going to affect us in some of the same ways and in different ways than um than what Zion went through. So those they're just I mean it's a different experience mm-hmm. for every person and every family. Yeah. However, we're now at a point that I would have imagined that we would be further along in the healing process and that he would be further away from um cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. I I mean obviously he's not in cancer treatment anymore, but I really wanted there to be a clear distinction between the time when we when he was actively fighting cancer mm-hmm. and then now recovering from it being cancer free. Simon in my opinion has not bounced back. He is not the kid that he was. And I don't expect him to be exactly like he was. I know that this is going to be a different version and mm-hmm. uh, older, more mature version of Simon, but what I'm referring to is his energy level and his motivation and his drive to be um, socially active and socially involved with his peers. Mm-hmm. 
something happened where he felt isolated, ostracized from his peers. And while they went on with, you know, learning to drive and getting their licenses and having girlfriends and going to concerts, he did that a little bit. But he really, I think, feels like he missed that part of high school. Yeah. And so a pandemic was going on right, right then. Right, right. So there, so I mean that that's part of it. Um, you take somebody who is already sort of isolated. He's kind of, I mean, he's an introvert. So you take that and then you add in a pandemic and you add in cancer, then you know that, you know, he had every reason to stay home. Oh yeah. But now we can't find a single reason that's good enough for him to get out. Oh, jeez. Every single time when we suggest to him, hey, you want to go with us? We're going to go get something to eat in Portland or we're going to go do this. He just says, that sounds like a lot of work. And when he does go with us, it's like one event during the day and then that's it. Is he having a good time when you guys are going out? Or is he being like, I wish I would have just stayed at home? Well, he doesn't complain. Simon's really a go-with-the-flow person. But... Um, to say that he seems like he's jovial, enjoying himself. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him like that in a year, oh at least God. a year. Um, and I don't, you know, he's he's taking medication for depression and he's taking medication for uh, to help with insomnia. And I don't think it's particularly effective because I see him just not being motivated and being really depressed and staying at home all the time. Uh, he switched from going to school in person to wanting to do it all online because the anxiety was too great for him to get to school every day. Mm-hmm. He's doing well. He's keeping up with the schoolwork, but he's even more isolated now because he's not going to school. Right. Right. And for us, the decision came down to what is going to work because we don't want to end up being all the way up to graduation and then find out he doesn't have enough credits because mm-hmm. he had too much anxiety to get to school. Right. So the goal right now is really, and this and this does make me sad because Simon is extremely intelligent. He's always been a good student. And I had high hopes for him to be, mm-hmm. you know, to be graduating from high school with, um, with some merits yeah. and, um, you know, not just finishing online program to get your, to get your high school diploma. And unfortunately, that's what's happening. But the other thing is that Simon admitted to me recently that he always thinks he has cancer. He still thinks he has cancer. He's just going around thinking that. Mm-hmm. Does he think it's the same cancer? He, does, he he just doesn't feel like it's gone. And I told him, I said, Simon, you do know that like you, I mean, Dr. Schliss has showed us your results. You do know that you don't, you don't have any cancer cells left. I mean, you're you're cancer free. He's like, yeah, I know that in my rational mind. The PTSD. But I'm. He said, I constantly just think it's the cancer. That's what is making me feel like this. And and he thinks that when we go to get scans, that he's going to find out that he he has cancer again, and that they are going to find. That's so scary. It is. That he's just walking around feeling like he has cancer. Right. And then he's already like locked up in his mind, not talking to friends and stuff. And now he's just going around with this looming cloud of, oh my God, I have cancer. Right. And that he, makes me so sad. Yeah. And then the difference is too, that the rest of us, I mean, not, not to say this in a mean way, but the rest of us have gone on with our lives. Right. I went back to work. You know, the kids are going to school. Um, Nathan is a social butterfly. So yeah. <laughs> um, he's doing the things that Simon 
didn't do during high school. And in in all that commotion, here's Simon just in his room at his computer or playing his guitar. Just isolated. Mm -hmm. You know, Zion has this whole thing going on where she has just turned 18. And right before she turned 18, she was already gearing up with senioritis and I'm about to be 18. And, you know, she was, she was laying the foundation for being able to do whatever she wants. Mm -hmm. Right. So we can't keep her at home. You know, like before <laughs> it was awesome. like, before it was like, she just wanted to stay home. She just, well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go out. I'm, I'm too scared. People, everybody's looking at me. <laughs> I don't want anybody to talk to me to not being able to have her stay at home and to have her have this huge independence that I am happy that she has it, but I'm also struggling with it a little bit. Just reel it in. Yeah, because it's just, you know, you're, yes, you're 18, but you're still in high school. You're still a child. In my eyes, you know, legally you're an adult. It's big time now if you get in trouble, legally, yes. But she's just got this whole, I'm 18 now kind of a, thing and I we moved out of our houses young mm -hmm. so yes she's 18 and you know I just feel weird I, it, it makes me feel weird for her and it, she just seems like a different age that I was we were when we were 18 right. but Audrey think about this think about how much Zion besides that Zion's life already had the theme of doing what you're told and going by the rules mm -hmm. and being very very um specific to her being a child in a in a big family or a child in a family where you know these rules had to be maintained and then to go from that to having cancer where she had her own like her own set of rules that she had to also incorporate to her life mm -hmm. everything from what she could eat what she couldn't eat to how much you know sunlight she could get or you know or I mean, what all clothes these... felt right on her body exactly. you know and all these little things and so I think if you think about it like that that's going to help shed some light on the rebellion that you see coming in it does it does but it's and I understand she didn't have any choices you know she didn't have any choices so now legally she has choices and she's she's taken strides to have those and it it's I'm not trying to clip her wings or anything but I mean they're different so Simon isn't going out with any friends no. at all. He's like, he like, what is he doing? He does his online schoolwork. He games. His social life consists of probably six to 10 uh, friends that he knows from school who he plays games with. And you know, he plays on a laptop or not on a laptop, on a desktop computer. He has all upgraded stuff for gaming. So he is like into he's it. He's a techie. He's a, yeah, it's I mean it's nerd squad stuff for sure. I mean, he's that's his deal. But that's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. Within balance, though, and I think what he's doing is that that's his only like outlet. Mm -hmm. And so since he's not, since he doesn't have any stimulation from real life interactions then he has replaced that with um these virtual interactions which you know i hear him on the mic cussing and talking laughing which i'm glad to hear that because that's the only it's only time it's the only time i hear it um but he doesn't he was at the beginning of the school year he was asking to go to concerts that's what i was gonna ask do you think it's gotten 
like since we last talked on the show, have things gotten worse? Yeah. They've gotten worse since like the first, our first episodes, we were talking about the show and things seemed like things were going, you know, we're talking about the kids and, the, and their siblings and it seemed like things were going in a progressive manner, like a mm-hmm. positive manner. But now the conversations that we've been having about Simon in particular seem like there has been regression. Well, and it's, it's not just regression, but it's, it's like holding still. I mean, this mm. it's really stagnant. For him mm-hmm. um, to be in this mindset that he feels like he still has cancer and he doesn't feel comfortable going out in the community, doesn't want to go to school, doesn't want to go to concerts. You know, this is a change for him. He was previously motivated by, you know, his favorite music groups coming to town or didn't they go to like, did they go to a concert at the Moda Center that was like a big concert? Yeah. Oh, they went to see Tyler the Creator. Right, right. Huge. And during huge. that time, he was air quotes okay. Like he seemed like he was starting to get better at that time to me. Actually, it was getting worse at that oh time. Oh my so god! He, so that's when he was. That's when I started to notice more that, you know, for instance, it was a really stark contrast because he and Nathan went to see Tyler the Creator together. Mm-hmm. And Nathan comes back just laughing and talking and, you know, telling us all the songs that he sang, which ones he wanted to hear, which ones he played, and then talking about, you know, he's dancing and these girls are dancing on him. He's 14, you know, but he... Wait, who was dancing on him? At the concert, girls were dancing on him? Yes. (laughs) At the Moda Center? mm Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Everybody, the Moda Center is where the Portland Trails Trailblazers play. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. I think that's where the Portland Trailblazers play, but there's also lots of concerts there. It's a big it's a it's big, a big to do. Yeah, it's a big um it's not even an auditorium. It's a um it's an arena. An, an arena, exactly. Yeah. So Moda Center's huge. And then um Tyler the Creator did his concert um the day after he won a Grammy. So like it was a supercharged concert yeah. because he had just won this Grammy. And so he's definitely feeling himself. And I think they, I, they loved it. Simon loved it, but Simon did not come back with all of that, like fun concert. I went to, you know, a concert, there were people there energy. He was just like, yeah, it's all right. You know, I, I know he which, loved it. Which normally pre Simon cancer, that wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have been unusual for him to just be like, yeah, it was, you know, it was great. I had a good time. But knowing now that he's like locked up in his mind thinking he still has cancer and all that. I don't know mm-hmm. if he was thinking about it a bunch back then. It seems like But it. that's like alarming for him to come back from this huge arena, this huge concert. And little brother's all super excited about it. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I do you just, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it feels like he would have in the past been a little bit more excited about it. Well, or just being excited about, I mean, for him, the thing is, he's always looking at the next one. I mean, this is the, we've gone through now like two or three months where he hasn't gone to a concert and that hasn't happened in a long time before this. He was, he would be, you know, working to get the money to go to concerts and I mean, he knew when the next one was coming and when he wanted to And he's not even planning. He's not, he's not asking us for money for tickets. He's not even asking for money to upgrade his computer equipment. You know, and I, I mean, what are the, we going to do? Well, 
on Monday, we're going to see Simon's oncologist. Right. So, you know, I'm hoping that she might have some insight for us. However, I'm a little bit, I don't know, apprehensive because the last few times that we've seen her, I've mentioned to her, hey, you know, Simon's not bouncing back. He's depressed. He's having trouble sleeping at night. He's struggling with socializing. And she's kind of minimized it in a way because every time she just tells us like, oh yeah, that's really normal. It's really normal. It happens with a lot of kids. And and I I get this feeling that yes, it is normal. It was normal, but now it's not normal. And I, I want somebody to see that. I mean, mm. I see it because I'm there and I know what Simon was like beforehand. He's not going to be the person he was when he was 15 because he's 17, almost 18 now. Mm-hmm. I get that. I'm ex- I accept he's that. He's not going to be the same even without cancer. Right. That's that. what I'm saying. Yeah. I accept that. That he, We're not looking for him to be somebody he was, you know, three years ago, four years ago. But I want to see some of what he was. I want to see at least that just that brightness and that just a little glimmer of yeah of um being motivated and wanting to see something or do something and wanting to get out there you know and wanting to put it together make he I mean he used to make plans with friends and he has he has friends that live close by he has friends that are long distance friends but he hasn't made an effort to see or talk to anybody outside of gaming so hard because we want to fix it you know we want to be able and we want on this podcast to be able to say this is how we were able to fix it right but because and not fix it make it better livable but because we don't know you know we're 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 stuck in this limbo with Simon not knowing what to do about it I'm hoping that some folks might reach out to us and say that that happened to me and this is what we did this is the strides that we took this is what worked and this is what didn't work so you know I'm hoping that with this this talk that we're having today I'm hoping some folks might reach out and say this is this is what we did because like I want to be able to say oh it's going to be okay you know we're going to get through this but when something is happening to you it's like it's happening to me so we're not we're not able to comfort each other right in a way that makes us feel like it's going to be okay because we're saying the same thing but you know in our previous podcast i feel like we had that insight to offer Mm -hmm. we you know as we're just seeing our experiences together you and me we learned some things we learned some things about what would work we learned that our kids didn't want us to talk about it a lot. And so it really worked for us to talk about it with each other because we would just make them really mad mm-hmm. by bringing things up. Still kind of. Still kind of. Yeah. I don't, we don't, they don't want to talk about it much, but all that being said, we don't have that insight now. Well, I don't, especially because I am just at this point of like, what do I do next? We're going to see Simon's oncologist. So hopefully she'll have something for us. Some sort of insight. I feel like Simon needs to tell her too. He did. The last time we were there, I was really proud of him because it was the first time ever. Even he's been seeing her for however many years. And this was the first time that he spoke up and said, I'm not doing well. I need help. Oh my gosh. And it was hard. It It was different for me to hear that. And I'm glad that he felt comfortable to say it in front of me. And then I, you know, I just 
I was just quiet. I just let him speak. And he told her everything. He told her, I don't feel well when I wake up. I'm tired. You know, if I do get a burst of energy and I go do something, go to the grocery store, go to Walmart with the parents or whatever, he's exhausted. I mean, it, it reminds me of how he was even before he started treatment when he when he was just getting really sick. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you remember that after his first treatment, I I kind of lost it because the his eyelids turned a really dark color. Yeah. And his yeah. eyelids are like that dark color again. So I don't know if that's from lack of sleep or, I mean, he, he is, the weird thing is, is that he oversleeps. And then. Yeah, you've sent me some pictures where he looks like he's sleeping in the middle of the night. And it's not the middle of the night. So he'll sleep sometimes like 16 hours in a day. Sorry, Simon. We take pictures of uh, you kids when you're sleeping. Sorry about that. I told him. <laughs> I told him. I said, I sent, uh, oh, oh, because you were waiting for a picture from us. Yeah. And I told him that I took a picture of him sleeping to show you, like, look, this is like real time. This is what's happening right now. This is why we're not posing for a picture. Thank you for posing for that picture, by the way. Even though your mom didn't like it. <laughs> it was I, the best moment. I'm really doubtful of those pictures now. I don't know what to say about that. Because, listen, I'm not trying to make you feel bad what those pictures look. But those pictures did not look like you. But it's what I had. I, I sh- Folks, Dude. she had to send me some pictures for this presentation that I was doing with Lisa. Um, and you met her before in the first episode. Executive director uh, of Beyond Toxics. Um, I did a presentation with her about J.H. Baxter, about our kids, about pollution, about cancer. And I wanted there to be a photo. And so I asked you to send these photos, which I was so happy that you did, but it didn't even look like you at all. Well, check it out. Because <laughs> I work nights. And that, I, really, truly, really, that is what I I'm mean. Sorry I'm sorry I'm laughing. No, I mean, I'm sure I probably look like that now because I'm You don't. Nights. Well, I slept last night, so that's, you don't that's like different, that. but. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like I do because I see myself. I wasn't like that before in life, but you know, I work nights, so my eyes look like old and tired. <laughs> it's okay. I got off self track. So Simon's sleeping too much. He sleeps too much, and then he goes through these periods of insomnia. Like literally, everybody in the house is asleep. He's following his guide about you know what you should do. You know, no screen time. Put your phone on the charger. Make mm-hmm. your room dark. To be able to rest well and to be able to get to sleep. He's doing those things, but it doesn't help. He just lays there and just thinks and thinks and thinks and thinks and can't go to sleep. So. And he's thinking about having cancer well, or whatever what else. Tells me what he's thinking about. But I imagine that if he said he, th- he still thinks he has cancer, he probably does worry about that a lot. He probably is laying there worrying about that. And he's probably worrying about not socializing, not going to school. And if he's going to be able to get into a university if he wants to I have asked him if he wants to go to college he said he does said he wants to go to Clark College which is the um it's the junior college it's right there next to his school so great if he doesn't want to apply to out-of-state schools that's just fine by me yeah stay close yeah I'm okay with that but I don't want him to give up his aspirations because he feels like he can't bounce back I mean Simon is resilient. Simon is not someone to complain about pain or complain about sickness. 
I don't see this as him succumbing to being sick. I don't see this as a ploy to make himself a sickly person that needs to be taken care of. Right. He doesn't have that. I mean, he is asking us to do more things than what we would probably be doing for a kid his age to help him. But I think he's asking because he genuinely needs the help. Yeah. He's having a hard, I mean, he's having a hard time organizing and prioritizing and and getting the, you know, the motivation and the initiative to do things. So I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know either. I'm sitting here, I'm looking at you and I'm like wishing that I had these brilliant things to say. I just, I don't know what to say. And well, it's, it's, we're on a different spectrum with these kids. Like we have Simon just, I don't want it. And Zion being like, I want it all. And so it's a different dynamic. And I, you know, with Zion, I'm glad that she wants to stay close for school. I'm glad about that because she's never been on her own before. She's never, you know, she's never like been away from me or been away from her dad and um, been away from her family. But she has this gumption in her to think, I'm going to be just fine when I go. I'm going to be, I'm going to be all right. You know, she has that gumption about it. And, That's you know, nice. there's going to be this reality where, you know, same thing that happened with her brother when Elisha went to college. He was calling me every single day for everything before he went out into the apartment area with his kid, with his roommates. He was calling me every day. And I was like, I'm going to miss my son so bad. And he was calling me every single day, he called me for little things about like getting a light bulb change about taking his earrings out. He had just got his ears pierced and he called me and he's like, mom, how do I take these out? And I don't know if they had a screw back or if they just stuck in there. I don't know. But I was like, son, you just pull your, pull it, you know, you put your fingers around each side and you just pull it out. So I know that when Zion leaves, there's going to be a whole lot of homesick. There's going to be a whole lot of calling mom. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a whole lot of crying. And right now she doesn't feel like that's going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's going around just, I'm going to be just fine. And, you know, I, and I'm not saying that she's not okay. I believe that she's going to be successful. I believe she's going to have a great time in college, but at the start, I think that there's going to be a lot less oomph there than she imagined there would she's be. She's ready to cut loose. She is. Oh my gosh. She's ready to go. So what about the kids? I feel like these kids over here are moving forward. They never actually really talked to me about Zion being sick in the first place. So now it feels like they're not that they've forgotten about it, but they I know that they're not talking to their friends. I like what I'm I'm specifically thinking about Savannah right now is what I'm what I'm really thinking about. Like it's cause she this was happening when she was just a little little tiny. You know, she fully knew what was going on, but yes. it's like I don't know. I, I so Savannah still still does talk about um when her brother had cancer and she also sees the isolation and a lot of sleeping and um, some of the things that have changed Simon's diet. Um, he's lost a lot of weight. You mm-hmm. haven't seen him recently, no, but tell on his face. He's lost a lot of weight. I mean, he's very thin now. So, I mean, that's good because 
as we both know, some of the steroidal treatments can cause weight gain. And that did happen with him during his cancer treatment. And now he's, you know, so, you know, he's definitely like lost weight to where he can, he feels, I think, a little bit better about himself and his body mm-hmm. coming, you know, starting to connect with himself again that way because, you know, they become so. It's not their body anymore. They're just yeah. going through it. They just, it's, I mean, I think they remove themselves from yeah. it. Um, but Savannah does see those things. She sees the difference. She has a show that she watches called Kate and Alexa. Mm-hmm. And it's a show about a little girl who is a high school student who has cancer and her best friend. And they talk about, I mean, everything happens on this show. Like at one point she's trying to console somebody else who's in the hospital who has cancer. And that person, that child is eating really um, sour gummies. And she's like laughing about it. And she's like, Oh, you like those, right? Because you can't really taste anything else. And so like right now you could actually win a contest eating jalapenos which you could never do before because yeah. when you I mean, when you're going this through this is on the, the show yeah on the show they're uh-huh. saying you know when they're going through the treatment they have, but it just as an example like those are those are things that are details that we know we learned we remember Simon started eating hot chips he never ate hot chips before that <laughs> but it's something that does the taste buds and and um, the doctor said this as well that it causes the kids to have a less sense of taste so they want like stronger flavors. So I mean, they talk about all kinds of stuff on there. The girl's best friend shaved her head when she when she lost her hair. So, they, so is this show specifically about it's cancer? Mm-hmm. When she's watching it, mm-hmm. she watches it every day. Like it's her show. Like when we talk about what you know what the kids are doing and how they manage that, or who they have to talk to about it, or how they're processing it, that's how Savannah's processing it. She identifies with these teenagers, and she loves the show. And it and it helps her because they have all of they bring up all of these little that's so topics. sweet that you know that's awesome that she has that because she's only six and it's hard she knows way more than she needed to know about cancer but mm-hmm. it's hard for her to be able to formulate those words I'm sure and so seeing these kids that are the ages of Zion and Simon and going through the different things that they're going through has I I mean I think it's amazing that she has that show. Another thing that really gets impacted here, and I I don't know how it's been for you, and I'm not going to get too personal, but marriage can be impacted. Relationships like that, you know, Mm -hmm. your significant other, Mm -hmm. it can be impacted. And, you know, maybe another time you can come on the show and we can talk as much as we can about that because it's, it's personal. But I think that it would help folks to hear some of the things right. you know not, without getting into depth because there, our husbands don't they're not they're not on a podcast you know what I mean so right. I think that that's something that I wanted to just to just put out there is that it's okay to be not okay for some for in your relationship while you're going through that and it um, does continue to affect you and your relationship I mean there's just there's no getting around that I mean I know for us we're not the same. Nobody in the family will be the same. No. 
and that that's just reality. Yeah. I mean, ever I want to be able to bring that into a conversation because mm-hmm. just like some of the things that we've talked about in past episodes that people aren't talking about. I know people aren't talking about this because I haven't heard anybody say specifics about how it impacted their their relationship and you know it's it's every relationship that we have is impacted like mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that I was horrible friend when I mean not with you because you're my main but I'm pretty sure that I was not that good of a friend to my friends during that time because I couldn't and I didn't want to talk to people that didn't really understand right. and you know I could talk to you and I could talk to to Jason and you know but there's there's something that happens in those marriage in those significant other relationships that people aren't talking about and I'm just bringing that up because I think it's something that we should right I agree and I think one of the reasons that it's hard to talk about is that we probably all have a vision within ourselves of how we would want someone else to care for us when we're emotionally weak going through trauma but since none of us has been through this before we probably haven't shared that vision with anyone especially our significant others who are trying to help us care for ourselves and our you know sensitivities um, surrounding the trauma that our kids went through and then just what it does to the family and I know in my case, Mike is like, he sees things in a completely different way than I do. I mean, he, for him, it's very black and white. He was sick. He's cured. Mm-hmm. This in-between stuff about getting your energy back or being able to overcome anxiety he understands it, but does it affect the way he treats me or Simon? Yes. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not sensitive to it that way. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who have that same experience of for one, one person in the family or one person in the marriage feels like they are separate alone, separate. And mm -hmm, yeah, because they're there for their child and they're not there. They're not thinking about themselves. Then how can you care for somebody? When you're not caring for yourself, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, that's, that's a hard, that's a hard pill to swallow because, you know, our kids will grow up and our kids will move away, but we'll be with our husbands still after the children leave. And I feel like there's some unresolved things Mm -hmm. there that I would like to have, not just for me, for him, because I feel like because I was crying so much and I was so, you know, involved in what was going on and all that mattered at that point, I was trying to make other things matter, but all that mattered in that point was me and Zion and how I was going to make Zion be okay, how that was going to go. I don't think that I was very sensitive to how he was feeling, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because I, I, you know, I, I know that I wasn't. We didn't have time. We didn't have time to prepare for that. And that's why I say, you know, we know ourselves what we need for someone else to be able to care for us in that situation. Um, We don't want to be smothered. We don't want to be, you know, we know, we know what the things are that we needed and need still, but. And it was different every day when it would, it would. It was like a roller coaster. <laughs> but nobody had time to prepare for that. That's not no. the time. I mean, it's not something that we ever got to talk about or plan for. 
Um, so once you're in the middle of it, I think it's just, you know, purely survival. Yeah. I mean, trying to help your child get better and then, you know, keep up health and nutrition of the rest of the family. And yeah, and yeah we, we are, we still go through some struggles and it's changed again. It's changed the dynamic. I mean, we don't discipline our kids the way we used to. We became ultra permissive when Simon was sick. I wish that we didn't do that. I, if I look back, I'd say, oh, my gosh, we would not we did not need to get him two brand new electric guitars and a whole bunch of stereo equipment. Like, that's ridiculous. Just because he wanted to self-teach himself guitar. Yeah. No, he plays guitar really well now and he did self-teach himself. And it's pretty amazing. That's great. But we set this standard for ourselves that we can't keep up with now. And then we feel bad because we didn't do it for the other kids. So now we're extra spoiling the other kids, too. Mm-hmm. And that can bring on arguments. A lot of arguments. A lot of arguments. So, you know, I'm glad we touched on that a little bit. We could easily go into a whole episode <laughs> yeah. about that. But I want to be mindful of our of our husbands and their privacy. So um, before we would go into anything deep with that, I would want to ask their permission. You know what I mean? Because it's their lives, too. The things that we're doing, I appreciate you being on the show with me again today. And what's so hard, especially what's going on with you and Simon and over there, is we don't want anybody to have that. You know, that's why this podcast is so important to me, especially and you, because we don't want our reality to be somebody else's. We don't we don't want anybody to feel that pain. And you know, this this episode for me in particular, I'm asking you all for answers because we we can talk about it and talk about it. But like I said, when something is happening to you, it's like it's happening to me. So we, we can't really comfort each other or have answers. But this is a call. How do you get back on track with your you now teenager? How how do you move forward? How do you help them move forward? Because like I said, we're on different spectrums. We have one that's super independent and wants to do all the things. And I don't want to say what she wants to do, but you know, she's 18. She's, she's running with that. And then we have Simon on the other hand, that is lost. Content to be at home. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you all did out there that helped your teenager, your child get back on track? Because we don't want Simon to keep feeling locked up in his mind alone with those have mm-hmm. cancer thoughts. It does a lot of things to your your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health. And right now, Simon, Simon is really struggling and we want to be able to do what we can to help him. Well, and it's really helpful just to know also what people have done for coping, but also if there are other people whose timeline has, I mean, Simon's timeline is starting to be really long as far Mm -hmm. as recovery goes but you know the doctor says it it can be different for every person and so we know that but how different where's the range of normal like do you have it takes a year to get back to your old self or you take it back to your new your your new old self yeah um get back to good health and energy levels and activity levels or 
maybe for some people it takes five years, but I don't know that. So right now, two years, and I don't know the exact date of his uh, cancer-free. I, I only know because I put it in my notes. I, I mean, I'm sorry, Zion. I do remember those dates, but specifics of how many years and all that after cancer-free, I have it in my notes. So I'm going to make sure because it's, it's real important to her. And anniversaries can bring up when is Simon's? It's that's what I was right just, no, that's what I was just saying. I don't know. I don't know when the anniversary. I think it's is. coming right up. It's and in July, actually, because that's after radiation was when we were really sure that there wasn't any more cancer mm -hmm. left. It was summertime. Uh huh. So that's approaching, you know. And anniversaries are, you know, they're supposed to be happy, but we have some really sad and hard anniversaries that we're going to have to deal with for the rest of our lives. And it's, we have to have that. Imagine how much more amplified it is for our kids. Right. So Lori, I want to thank you so much for coming and hanging out with Yay, me. Let's hang you. out a little bit more after we're done recording. If we can, thank you for coming on here and talking about life after cancer. And thank you. You know, it's, it's always awesome to sit and chat with you. So again, I am Archery. Thank you for listening to why we do the work and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Uh,